turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. We are either on the throne of our own lives or God is, but it won't be both. Nebuchadnezzar had lived his life with himself fully on the throne. And it's going to take some hardship and some difficulty to get him to the place where he's finally going to surrender to God. And again, his story is our story. Because there are a lot of us that would testify to the same thing. We had to go through something really terrible and humbling. We had to be broken before we finally acknowledged and surrendered to Jesus as King. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Daniel, who is on the throne of your life. In today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches you that only one person can be fully on the throne. You can choose to be on the throne, or you can surrender the throne to the Lord. Pastor Gary explains that when you allow God to be on the throne of your life, you will enjoy His peace. When you place yourself on the throne, you will encounter stress and strife. You'll also likely endure hardships that you wouldn't have had if you would have simply surrendered to God. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel chapter 4 as he continues his message, Who is King of Your Life? Nebuchadnezzar is a picture of every single one of us who just think that we're in charge of our own lives and we're successful because of our own skills and our own abilities, and we're smart because of our own education, and we're this, and we're that, and we're wealthy, and we're all... And we begin to think, I've done this. I've created this. I am who I am. And this is Nebuchadnezzar. This, this is us. And so God pursues us because he wants to be king and lord of our lives because he sees us on a path of self-destruction. And so God is as... The poet Francis Thompson called him in, an, in a really old poem written in 1893 entitled The Hound of Heaven. God is the Hound of Heaven. That poem written in 1893 was about how God relentlessly pursues the fleeing soul like a hound on the hunt. How God never gives up the chase. No matter how fast or how far we try to run from him, God runs faster and farther still to go after us because of his love for us until we are finally exhausted with ourselves that we turn to him and receive his grace. And I suspect if I were to ask for a show of hands, there's probably a few of us in the room that have some 
some hound paw prints on our back because God has been hunting us down and we've been on the run. And so here in chapter four, God gives Nebuchadnezzar yet another dream. God's going to step up his game here with Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, okay, you didn't get it in chapter two. You didn't get it in chapter three. So you're going to get it here in chapter four. And so God gives Nebuchadnezzar yet another dream, a dream that torments him, another dream that none of his astrologers and sorcerers can answer. So he turns to Daniel and Daniel interprets it by inspiration from the Lord. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's dream is about a tree. He has this dream of a big tree and it's mentioned in verses 10 through 12. So I'll just read those verses again. Verses 10 through 12. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. Now notice the different language to describe it. Its height was great. The tree grew out, grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. So I just kind of pulled out some descriptive terms there from those verses, and this is what we see about the tree. It was noted for its size, strength, prominence, beauty, fruitfulness, and shelter. And so Daniel interprets this dream for him. And the Lord shows Daniel what it all means. What is it referring to? And Daniel first starts out by saying, King, I'm going to tell you what the meaning is, and I wish it didn't apply to you. I wish this applied to your enemies, because you're not going to probably like what I have to say, but nevertheless, you need to hear it. And Daniel ends up telling him in verse 22, Nebuchadnezzar, you are that tree. I'm going to read verses 22 to 26, so you can just see a little bit about what Daniel says to him. He says in verse 22, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, notice this, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you have come to know that heaven rules. Daniel ends up giving Nebuchadnezzar this interpretation. He says to him, you are that tree. He says, you've become great and strong. Your kingdom, your empire is powerful and prominent in the world. He says to him, this is a picture of your empire in that man and beast alike have found shelter and shade and sustenance in the shadows of your kingdom. He says, but unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar, you do not glorify the sovereign God who gave you all this. 
and who made you successful. He says, you do not glorify the sovereign God who rules over the earth. And you do not glorify the sovereign God who is king over your kingdom and over every kingdom. And so, Daniel says, further giving the interpretation of this dream, so your kingdom's going to be cut down, and a stump is going to be left in the ground, and that stump is going to be bound by iron and bronze. And he tells him that this is what it basically means. He says, you're going to be cut down, your kingdom will be become a stump bound with iron and bronze. Those metals in the Bible are always pictures of judgment. He says, God's going to judge your kingdom. He's going to judge you because you've been on the throne of your life. Despite the fact that God has revealed himself to you time and time again, you still think you're king and you need to recognize that God is king. He's king over your life. He's king over your kingdom. He's king over everything about you. And until you surrender and acknowledge that, you're going to go through some really painful, dark days to get to the bottom of yourself so that you'll eventually cry out for God. Now, it's interesting because in God's mercy, he says, the stump and the roots shall remain because it's a picture of the fact that God is going to restore his kingdom, that God is going to have mercy on him yet again. He's not completely cutting away everything here. He's leaving this remnant. There's a stump and the roots, and things are going to grow back. But there's going to be judgment along the way. Because Daniel says to him, basically, you have to be humbled first. And you will be, he tells him in verse 25, you're going to be drenched with the dew of heaven. He goes into this description about how men are going to cast you out. You're going to be put out of your palace. You're going to end up living like oxen and cattle grazing in the pasture lands because this is what's going to happen to you you're going to lose your throne and you're going to lose your mind and you're going to end up grazing like a farm animal this is what he tells him in advance until until this is the end of verse 25 till you know the most high rules he says to nebuchadnezzar when you get to the place you finally recognize and surrender to god that the most high rules Until then, you're going to be miserable. But when that happens, you're going to see a whole new day. The question becomes to every single one of us, who is ruler of your life? Who is ruler of your life? Because if you say that you are ruler of your life, then God has no room. And on the other hand, if you say God is ruler of my life, fine. But that also means that there's no room for you. Because God will not share his throne with us. There's no co-regency with God. He's either fully king and completely Lord, or he's none of those things at all. It's one or the other. We are either on the throne of our own lives, or God is. But it won't be both. Nebuchadnezzar had lived his life with himself fully on the throne. And it's going to take some hardship and some difficulty to get him to the place where he's finally going to surrender to God. And again, his story is our story. Because there are a lot of us that would testify to the same thing. We had to go through something really terrible and humbling We had to be broken before we finally acknowledged and surrendered to Jesus as king. And so Daniel has some closing advice here for Nebuchadnezzar. He interprets his dream. says, this is what a dream means. You've been on the throne of your life. You think that you're king of your kingdom. You're not. God is king of every kingdom. You need to surrender to him. You need to see him as king. And here's a little advice, verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. 
Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. In other words, get right with God and be merciful to people. And who knows, maybe God will continue to bless you. But unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar does not take the dream seriously, nor does he take Daniel's advice. And so all of this dream comes to pass. Look at verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? Look at the personal pronouns here. That I have built for a royal dwelling for my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. He's going around, listen, he's walking around the palace grounds and he's just surveying everything. And he's like, wow, I'm good. Mm, word. You know, he's like, I am good. Look at all I've built. Look at all I've done. Nobody in the world like me. You know, that's why he's like, ah, and he's saying all this stuff. Verse 31, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. And seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Verse 33 says that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. What's happening here? Here's what's happening. He loses his mind. He goes insane. They put him out of the palace and he ends up just living outdoors. That's why it talks about how the dew of heaven, he just, you know, no shelter. So now you know, the dew is covering him, all the elements. He's exposed to all the elements. And because he's just, he's temporarily out of his mind, you know, he doesn't bathe. He doesn't keep himself groomed. His hair just grows, and it's described here, you know, metaphorically here, and it just like feathers, you know, of, of an eagle. And his, his fingernails, he's not cutting his fingernails. They just become like claws. And this happens, it says, until seven passes over you. In other words, seven years he's like this. For seven years, he's like this. And, he, and he's eating, literally eating grass. And he, and he takes on this persona of a beast. And he, he goes out of his right mind, and he begins to think that he's actually cattle or oxen. And th- there is actually a medical diagnosis. It's a rare thing, but it's called boanthropy. Boanthropy is a rare psychological disorder in which a person believes himself or herself to be a cow or an ox. Dr. R.K. Harrison documented the first case in a British mental institution in 1946. So there is such a thing. It's pretty rare. And some of you are thinking, that's utterly ridiculous. I I know. Let's move on. But anyhow, it's rare. I'm not making fun of anybody. But here's the thing. This is what happens to him. And he begins to think, I'm just just a cow, you know, and he's out grazing and and he's lost his mind. He's gone insane. You know, his own pride has caused him to go insane. But there's a good ending to this story. Verse 34. Verse 34 says, And at the end of the time, when the seven years had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, 
and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. God restored him to his right mind. That's what God does with people. God restores us to our right mind. God gives us a new heart. God changes us from the inside. And he gives us new life, new hope, forgiveness of sins, the assurance of heaven, all of this through faith in Jesus. For Nebuchadnezzar, this is a guy that God pursued time and time and time again. And he finally, after God took him to a place where he had nowhere else to look but up, he acknowledges the God of heaven. He lifts up his eyes. He turns his countenance to heaven. And he recognizes that God is the true king, not himself. God is the true king. Last verse of this whole chapter. Look at verse 37. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. In other words, he's able to humble. And Nebuchadnezzar knows this full well himself. This is his story. This is our story. I'm going to leave you with four quick points, four takeaways from this story. Here's the first one. God pursues us because he loves us. When you look at chapters 2, 3, and 4, which was, describes the, basically the spiritual journey of Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 2, God reveals himself to Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 3, God reveals himself to him. Chapter 4, another dream. Chapters 2, 3, and 4 cover about 30 years. God has been pursuing him for 30 years. Aren't you glad that God pursues us? God has pursued you. God has pursued me. And why does he do that? Because he loves us. And he doesn't want to see us eternally separated from him. We're all on a path of destruction. You may not know it now, but at some point, you'll get to the bottom of yourself and realize it. Nebuchadnezzar finally got to the bottom of himself and realized, I'm not king. I mean, I might be a king, small k, over, over a territory. But God is king, capital K, over the universe and now over my life. He comes to a place of full surrender here. And I'm so thankful that God never gives up on us. God never gives up on us. 30 years he kept going after this guy. There is nothing we could do to keep God from pursuing us. There is no sin too great. If you're thinking this, I want to dispel this myth. There's no sin too great and no valley too low to discourage God from loving us or pursuing us. God says to the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness. From the moment you were born, God has been pursuing your heart because his greatest longing for you is to have relationship with you. Number two, we also see in this story that God is patient with us. God is patient with us. I don't know if you noticed with me, but when we were reading through it in verse 29, it tells us that 12 months had passed from the time that Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of this dream until the time that God pronounces judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar. And the only reason God pronounced judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar is because Nebuchadnezzar didn't get it. And so he walks around with pride, taking pleasure and in his arrogance, thinking that everything about his kingdom was his own doing. That's when God said, enough is enough, and you're going to be humbled to the place where now you realize I'm king. It was a whole year between the dream and when God finally did humble him because of his own, Nebuchadnezzar's own arrogant testimony. A whole year, a whole year. 
God is patient with us. I mean, we don't, we don't deserve an extra minute, let alone an extra day, let alone an extra week or an extra month. God gave Nebuchadnezzar an extra year. Here's the dream. Here's what it means. Your kingdom's going to be cut down. Maybe you'll finally realize I'm king. How long does God have to wait? God is so patient with us. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God is patient with us. How many are thankful that God has pursued us? How many are thankful that God is patient with us? Amen? Number three, pride is the biggest obstacle to a surrendered life with God. So God will humble us if we don't humble ourselves. That's a big takeaway from this story too, isn't it? Pride is our biggest obstacle. I don't need God. That's, that's for weak people. I don't need God. I'm fine. Until you get in a mess, and then you realize how much you need God. John Calvin said, pride is the pregnant mother of all sins. Because you can trace most sin issues to some aspect of pride. The very first sin recorded in the Bible ever, pride. The very first sin was when Satan rebelled against God because pride filled his heart. and He thought he was as good as God. Pride, so destructive. And we can either humble ourselves or God will do it for us. And any of us who've experienced the humbling hand of God can testify. It's a lot better if we humble ourselves than when God has to do it. The Bible says in Matthew 23, 12, Jesus said, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. See, God is the one who puts down the proud, and he raises up the humble. And so God says, if you humble yourself then I'll lift you up, I'll promote you, I'll use you, I'll give you opportunities to make me known. But if you go around bragging about yourself, I'll put you down. Because until we recognize that it's all about the Lord and from His hand, we're in serious trouble. And that's why James 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Last point, God will hear us, forgive us, and restore us when we cry out to Him in our brokenness. Because that's what happened in this story. The prophet Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. God will be found by us when we seek him. When we humble ourselves and we cry out to him. In our brokenness, we say, Lord, I'm so tired of running. I'm so exhausted trying to be king of my life. God hears that prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know. I suspect, I mentioned this last week, that we will probably see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. I think this is his Swan song, this is his closing departing testimony. And as I said at the beginning of our study, we don't hear about Nebuchadnezzar anymore. He fades off the pages of the Bible. And I think it is God's way of giving us the last glimpse into this guy's heart that he finally, finally got to that place. After chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, after 30 years of God chasing him down like the hound of heaven, where Nebuchadnezzar finally said, Yes, Lord, I finally see you as king. I finally acknowledge you as king. And I would not be surprised if we see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. The question is, is the Lord king of your life? Does he rule your heart? 
Is he sovereign and supreme over the throne of your life? You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been taking you through the book of Daniel, an Old Testament book of history and prophecy. If you have any questions about this series, the Bible itself, or the ministry of Cornerstone Connection, please feel free to reach out by calling 703-771-1500. And be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. You can continue listening to Pastor Gary's messages right now as well by visiting our website cornerstoneconnection.cc or by downloading our mobile app. Pastor Gary also has some companion study resources for many of his teachings. These are located under the teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc and are free for you to use in your own study of the Word, including one that covers the book of Daniel. You're also invited to be part of our weekly worship gatherings here at Cornerstone Chapel. We're in the process of transitioning back into live services, so please visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for the latest information and service times, or join us online through our website, YouTube Live, and Facebook Live. Again, our website for the latest information is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection.